glad we're here. This fourth Sunday in Lent, let us worship our God. And she she usually approaches me and asks if she can read for me. Uh, if anybody else would like to share this part of the service, you're welcome to do so. If you uh, if you're willing to do that, uh, I, I would welcome you. And with my breathing and voice, I never know when I'm going to need your assistance. I might as well have it 
right here at the start. So uh, Marty will lead us in the scripture as well as in the responsive reading. And the first scripture is from Joshua chapter 5, verses 9 through 12. Then the Lord said to Joshua, Today I have rolled away the reproach of Egypt from you. So the place has been called Gilgal to this day. On the evening of the 14th day of the month, while camped at Gilgal on the plains of Jericho, the Israelites celebrated the Passover. The day after the Passover, that very day, they ate some of the produce of that land, unleavened bread and roasted grain. The manna stopped the day after they ate this food from the land. There was no longer any manna for the Israelites, but that year they ate of the produce of Canaan. Would you join us now in the the responsive reading, please, which is on page 766, Psalm 32. Page 7... 66. Blessed are those whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed are those whom the Lord does not hold guilty, and in whose spirit there is no deceit. When I did not declare my sin, my body wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was dried up as by the heat of summer. I acknowledged my sin to you, and I did not hide my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord. Then you forgave the guilt of my sin. Therefore, let those who are godly offer prayer to you. At a time of distress, the rush of great waters shall not reach them. You are a hiding place for me. You preserve me from trouble. You encompass me with deliverance. I will instruct you and teach you the way you should go. I will counsel you with my eye upon you. Do not be like an unruly horse or a mule without understanding, whose temper must be curbed with bit and bridle. Many are the pains of the wicked, but steadfast love surrounds those who trust in the Lord. Be glad in the Lord, and rejoice, O righteous. Shout for joy, all you upright in heart. The words of the Lord for the people of God. Thanks be to God. can happen at funerals I met a man in the uh, in the Smyrna church yesterday he was a retired pastor and he had a thing by his side and a breathing tube and I said is that oxygen he said no it's another 
It's something else they've got for me. It's experimental. And I said, well, what have you got? He said, I've got idiopathic pulmonary fibrosis. And I said, well, that's one of the things they said I might have. And, uh, you know, it was, a, it was a brief encounter, but it was a blessing. Uh, he'd been diagnosed, I think, seven years ago, and they told him he might live two to five years, and there he was still going. Let us pray. God, we give you our thanks and praise even as we count our troubles. We are glad that uh, you are way ahead of us preparing a way that all those troubles may be resolved. If only we can follow that way. And it's not just for us personally, but it's for us as, as a community as a church, as a state, nation, and world. We long for the day that all voices will sing your praise and all people will bow in reverence to Jesus. But meanwhile, we have work to do and as we age, we doubt our own strength and ability, but May you continue to supply what is needed. Whether it's just to maintain a smile or to offer words of, of comfort and cheer or to do what might seem the impossible. Bless us all as you have in the past and use us in your service. Replenish your church with your Holy Spirit that it might be our strength as well as our incentive to go forth and, and do your will. Forgive our complaints and may we replace those complaints with the willing service that comes from the heart of yourself and from Jesus. And may it be in our hearts and pour forth from our hearts. We're thankful that you hear us in every time of need. May we spend more time than that giving you our praise and thanks. We pray in Jesus' name and we pray as he has taught his disciples. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever.
invite you to remain standing for the reading of the gospel. And as I read from the gospel of Luke, I uh, challenge you to uh, think what's being skipped, what's being left out. Because I'm going to read verses 1 through 3 and then read verse, start in the middle of verse 11 and read through uh, verse 32. It's a long story. If you need to sit down, go ahead whenever you feel that need. All the tax collectors and sinners were, were gathering around Jesus to listen to him. The Pharisees and legal experts were grumbling, saying, This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Jesus told them this parable. A certain man had two sons. The younger son said to his father, Father, give me my share of the inheritance. Then the father divided his estate between them. Soon afterward, the younger son gathered everything together and took a trip to a land far away. There he wasted his wealth through extravagant living. When he had used up his resources, a severe food shortage arose in that country, and he began to be in need. He hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country who sent him into his fields to feed pigs. He longed to eat his fill from what the pigs ate, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired hands have more than enough food, but I'm starving to death. I'll get up and go to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I no longer deserve to be called your son. Take me on as one of your hired hands. So he got up and went to his father. When his father saw him still a long way off, his father saw him and and was moved with compassion. His father ran to him, hugged him, and kissed him. Then his son said, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I no longer deserve to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quickly! Bring out the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Fetch the fatted calf and slaughter it. We must celebrate with with feasting because this son of mine was dead and has come back to life. He was last and is found. He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. Now his older son, i tell you what, go ahead and be seated for this part. The tone of the story changes just a little bit, so uh, take it in. Now his older son was in the field. Coming in from the field, he approached the house and heard music and dancing. 
he called one of the servants and asked what was going on. The servant replied, Your brother has arrived and your father has slaughtered the fatted calf because he received his son back safe and sound. Then the older son was furious and didn't want to, to enter in, but his father came out and begged him. He answered, furious, and didn't... He answered his father, Look, I've served you all these years, and I never disobeyed your instruction. Yet you've never given me as much as a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours returned after gobbling up your estate on prostitutes, you slaughtered the fatted calf for him. Then his father said, Son, you are always with me, and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. The word of God for the people of God. Some of you know very quickly what's been skipped over. There's the story of the lost sheep. Jesus uh, praises the shepherd who has a hundred sheep, but when one is lost, he leaves the 99 to go in search of the lost sheep. And when he brings it back in his arms or over his shoulders, however the shepherd would carry that lost lamb, there is celebration. And Jesus says there's more celebration in heaven over one person saved than all of those others. And then the second story is the woman who's lost a coin and she cleans her house. I wonder how many coins I could find if I cleaned my house. But she searches diligently till she finds the tenth coin and when she finds it, she invites all the neighbors to celebrate with her for what has been found. And Jesus says it again. There's more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner saved than all the saints. Forgive us, saints, when we forget that the celebration is not ours, but it's God's celebration. Now, I'm not sure what this passage has to do with Joshua and uh, going into the, to the promised land, except for the fact that they had been fed by God for 40 years in the wilderness. They had had manna in the morning and quails at night. I don't think it's only uh, 21st century Americans who get tired of the same diet day in, day out. I imagine some of those Hebrews were getting tired of that. So they celebrated when they were able to go into the promised land and, and eat fresh vittles, fresh out of the garden. Uh, and so they they remembered who and whose they were. They celebrated the Passover, remembering their situation in Egypt 
and how God had miraculously brought them out. And the psalmist celebrates that as well. I was talking with one of our members yesterday and we wondered, where would Jesus be today if he came back? Where, where, would, where would he arrive? Where would he go? Where would he stay? And uh, I remember that uh, while I'm preaching out of the Gospel of Luke with my sermon title, I've got to remind you about the, the story within Matthew's telling of the Gospel because Jesus answers that question very clearly. Jesus would be the tired, the poor, the lost, uh, the one in prison, the one who's sick, the one who's hungry and starving for food, thirsty and needing water. Because Jesus said it, as much as you've done it unto the least of these, you've done it unto me. And Jesus also said, as much as you didn't do it unto the least of these, you didn't do it unto me. So we know if we read our Bible and if we remember correctly, we know where Jesus would be. We know where Jesus is. And I admit I feel a pang that I don't visit the jails more often than I do. I've done a wedding in one jail and I've visited a few prisoners here and there, but uh, it's not my regular ministry. Uh, but uh, today I want us to think a little bit more about where would Jesus be? For instance, in this story of of the prodigal son, as we call it. Uh, others have said it should be called the loving father. Uh, and that would be very appropriate. Uh, we could uh, accent the other end of it and say the, the mean old brother. Uh, but uh, where would Jesus be in this story? You know, in, in many ways, he is the prodigal. He has his father's inheritance. He comes to this earth, comes to this world. And uh, he didn't gamble. He, he didn't waste it. You know, he didn't live extravagantly and certainly not as the brother accused. He didn't spend anything on prostitutes. But as, as Paul quoted it in Philippians, he even though he was of God, he, he, he counted that nothing and uh, lived among us as, as one of us. He, uh, he, he could identify with the prodigal. He does often. And in that Matthew account, certainly some of those people named are prodigals. Well, I had a prodigal night. I came in from my trip down to Smyrna and uh, got home and came over here and uh, Jerry and I welcomed Mr. McFarlane who was bringing mowers back and we got them put away. And 
I was glad it was just a little too late for me to start mowing yesterday. I got my work cut out for me, but I went in the house. I had something to eat. Turned on the basketball games and went to sleep. I say it's a prodigal night because I know I should be going to bed around 10, 10.30. And on a Saturday night, if I could, I'd go to bed earlier because I'd try to get up at 5 o'clock. But I, I wasted some time there. I woke up. It was after midnight. I woke up again. It was about 1.30 or 2. And I finally went to bed. I mean, that was just a prodigal night. You know, do you, do you have any prodigal times in your life? We could all identify with the prodigal if we're, if we're willing to. Uh, there's a lot of waste in our lives. Uh, Jesus could identify. He could be found with the prodigal. Especially when the prodigal comes to his senses. Now that, that's, a, you know, that's a, a miracle that's overlooked in this story. Here he is wasting away. You know that for for Jews, pigs aren't kosher, and the last thing you want to be caught is besides eating a pig is is having anything to do with pigs. And there he is feeding them and wishing he could eat their food. So he's gone about as low as low can go. When he comes to himself and said, You know, in my father's house. Even the hired servants, even the slaves have it better than I've got it now. So I think I'll go home. He, uh, he makes his plan. He turns to go. Now, we, we usually identify Jesus with the Father. Because the, the Father, even though by, by the law of His day, this Son was declared dead, even though a, a religious Jewish person doesn't touch the dead without being defiled, he must have been watching because he saw him at a distance and ran to meet him and put his arms around him. And, uh, you know, wanted to, wanted to give him everything welcomed him as his son. The son tried his speech, but he didn't get very far. So he goes home. <coughs> now Jesus could have been prodigal. Jesus could have been the father. That sounds more like him. But Jesus might have been thinking about his heavenly father as that father. Uh, but then again, it fits the description of the, of the shepherd who searches for the lost sheep. And the woman who searches for the lost coin. Do you think Jesus would have anything to do with the older brother? Did you get that attitude? Did you catch that attitude of the older brother? I'm the good son. I've been home working. I haven't asked for anything. I'm content to do my work. I know I'm going to inherit two-thirds of the property, but I don't ask for it now because i got work to do. But look at that rascal. 
look at that wastrel. And you put your arms around him. Put a new robe on him. And kill the fatted calf. When have you given me a party? What's the idea of those people coming in here? They didn't grow up in our town. What's the idea of that sinner coming in here and thinking he can sing in our choir or sit in our pews? What's the idea of those people coming in trying to take over our church? Those attitudes are, I I don't find many of those attitudes here. I've faced them in other congregations. I know they're, they're rampant in the church. There, there's still a thing of, you know, uh, this may be God's church, but it's our building. And we got to take care of it. We're not going to let those people mess it up. Uh, there was that precious couple that had been in the church, been active, but they had dropped out. They came back for a while and then dropped out again. Then they came back a while. And uh, I was at the house and I said, well, tell me what's going on. What's happening? And the lady said, well, I just wanted to help with the Christmas decorations. And when I took some of my things down to the church and was, was trying to help, one of them said to me, we don't need your help. Now that... You know, if you know the two people, you may find it easier to choose sides. But I think just hearing the story, that, that's the older son talking. And, and that, was a, that was a member in and out. In that particular place and time, most people ignored the, the first-time visitors, those who came in without recognition. And... Uh, it was it was a chore to try to get them to be as welcoming to them as they would to those that uh, they had seen go out and uh, would soon send out again. Hey, what's the reason, you know, only about a third, quarter to a third church members attend church? It may be because those who are attending have run the others off. Well, I'm... Again, you know, I, a lot of things don't apply in Copper Hill as they have in other places I've been. But uh, we got to wonder. No, I, Jesus wouldn't be like that older son, would he? Although, you know, we we might we might see that as as a good place to be. I, I I've never I've never left the church. I've never squabbled over anything. I'm I'm always there. You know, I've I've never I've never disagreed. Well, I didn't like that pastor. I didn't care for the way that would preach, but you know, I stuck it out. Uh when that one came I went over to the other side of the congregation to sit, but you know, I, I still came to church. Uh I mean the fact of the matter is the best of us can do more to be more receptive and more accepting of others. I mean, I mean, isn't that 
Isn't that true? Uh, the, and, and the other thing is, I wanted, to, I wanted to remind you about those other two stories because sometimes we are like the, like the older father. Uh, you know, the, the father, we just, we just stand out there and wait and watch and wonder when they're going to come back. But two out of the three stories Jesus tells, the first one, the shepherd, leaves the 99 and goes in search of the one. And in the other, the woman, we don't know where she puts the other nine coins, but she sweeps that house looking for the tenth. And uh, how much of our time is invested as a church? How much of my time as a Christian, your time as a Christian, is invested in uh, trying to relate to that prodigal? You know, whether they're, they're poor, addicted, homosexual, um, whatever you call their sin, whatever sin you call it, how much, how much time do we give? Uh, I, I appreciate the stories of, of big revivals. And, and some churches do well still with revivals. Uh, the United Methodist Church and the, the church in America has been through those great awakenings. Um, I don't think a revival is, is enough if we, if we just devote a week to it and then continue to be the same church we are. Um, it is the season of Lent. There is the cross looming ahead. And, and in any of these stories from Luke, Jesus is continually on His way to the cross. And, and what that says to us is, it's not easy to be Jesus. It's not easy to be His disciple. And, and we shouldn't expect it to be too easy to be His church. But there is more hope and uh, Paul speaks of that hope as well as our commission in Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 16 through 21. So then, from this point on, we won't recognize people by human standards even though we used to know Christ by human standards, that isn't how we know Him now. So then, if anyone is in Christ, that person is part of the new creation. The old things have gone away. And look, new things have arrived. All of these new things are from God who reconciled us to Himself through Christ and who gave us the ministry of reconciliation. In other words, God was reconciling the world to Himself through Christ by not counting people's sins against them. He has trusted us with this message of reconciliation. So we are ambassadors who represent Christ God is negotiating with you through us 
we beg you as Christ's representatives, be reconciled to God. God calls the one who didn't know sin to be sin for our sake so that through him we could become the righteousness of God. Those words are not so much for the church as they are for those who stand outside the church and should be a part of our invitation. Come sinners. Come one, come all. For all of us are sinners forgiven and accepted through Jesus Christ, our Savior, who would be our Lord. Amen.